It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Hey, real quick, this episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello, hello, and welcome to the new Mindset Who Dis podcast. My name is Case Kenny at case.kenny on Instagram. And this is my weekly podcast where I create short, no BS episodes dedicated to helping you be the person you're meant to be, leave your comfort zone and live a fulfilling and purposeful life. Let's go. Welcome to episode 509. Hello, my friend. Welcome to a fresh new episode of New Mindset Who Dis. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting me. And today, I want to help you and myself resist the urge to think that everyone secretly hates us. Uh, Seriously, and you might not have thoughts like that, not to that extreme, but I bet you can relate to meeting someone, hanging out with someone, talking with someone a bit, going on a first date, and then being like, oh man, I was so awkward. I bet they don't like me and I blew it. Right. I, I bet you can relate to that in a sense, to that, that thing we do after a social interaction where we are hypercritical of ourselves. Or if you don't do that, I bet you can relate to in some sense, just thinking that someone doesn't like you that much or that they don't care about you as much as you care about them. Right. I want to talk about our tendency to be so critical of ourselves when it comes to social interactions. Why are we so critical of ourselves? Why do we become, why do we become our own loudest critic? When really, we don't have evidence to support something like, they don't like me. I wasn't funny enough. I wasn't charming enough, whatever enough. Why do we do this when we don't really do it to other people? We give other people a chance. We give other people the benefit of the doubt. We like to see the best in other people. And Zoomed Out, this is something that I really enjoy dissecting because it's a reflection of how to an extent, we're wired to be hypocritical. And the most present observation of this idea was actually what I based the entirety of my book, That's Bold of You, around. And it was chapter one of that book. And that was the observation referred to by some researchers as the beautiful mess effect. The beautiful mess effect, which basically says that we love vulnerability in other people. We applaud people who aren't afraid to be themselves, to be vulnerable, to be honest, to be a bit weird, to be in their own lane. We want to be surrounded by those people, real people, even flawed people, people who are vulnerable. 
and authentic. And we love that. And we applaud the beautiful mess in other people. But the same exact, the same exact behavior in ourselves, we think everyone else will hate it. We think everyone else will be critical of it. The same exact behavior, the honesty, the authenticity, the vulnerability, when we do it by our own unfair self-judgment, it's suddenly cringe or weird or off-putting. People will hate us, but in others, we love it. We do this swap where we love these things in other people, but we think other people will hate it in us. And I've always found that to be a very interesting dynamic in life of how we can see something in others and applaud it. And it's something that we want to do ourselves, but when we do it, we are critical of ourselves for it. And in a roundabout way, I've found clarity in recognizing that this is hypocritical behavior because I really do think this is the thing that holds us back in life, the way that we are unfairly critical of ourselves to the point of being a bit illogical or hypocritical. And building on that, the other day, I came across another example of the way that we're hypocritical and critical of ourselves unfairly so. And I just want to bring this to your attention so that the next time you find yourself falling into the trap of your own unfair self-judgment, you can say, wait a minute, this isn't fair. This isn't logical. And you can move forward. And so this one goes by the name of the liking gap, as in, you know, to like, to like someone or to not like someone, the liking gap. And basically it's the idea that in social interactions, humans chronically underestimate how well liked we are by the other people, aka we assume that people don't like us when in reality they do. That's the simple summary of this idea. And basically, the details are as follows. The study was led by a guy named Gus Cooney, and it came out of the uh, University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. And it compiled observations from a variety of social scenarios where researchers ran people through these kind of tests where people were tasked to get to know one another. So, right, you know, first date type social interactions, meet and greet type things. And they used scenarios like college freshmen getting to know each other and people meeting one-on-one, interacting with strangers in public and all these things. And they observed these interactions. And after each instance of interaction, again, this was one person with one person, they would ask each person how much they liked the person they talked with and how much they thought the person they talked with liked them. And here's here comes the illogical part. Across the board, people ranked their perceived liking lower than they were actually liked, aka people assumed that the other person didn't like them, but when that person was asked, they said, yeah, of course, I like them, aka the liking gap. We consistently underestimate how well-liked we are. That was what they found. And this was consistent across the board, right? They collected enough data to make the findings significant and universal enough to say, on average, we consistently underestimate how well-liked we are. And even more in the studies, people consistently underestimated how well-liked they were by the person they were talking to, even amidst somewhat like obvious signs to the contrary, smiling, talking enthusiastically, open hand gestures, positive body language, all these things, positive signs, positive indications. Despite that, they still had the same assumption. And these researchers posited a bunch of ideas of, you know, why this happens. Why do we ignore the good signs? And instead we overthink and we come up with bad signs. And lo and behold, we end up thinking they don't like us. And they suggested a couple things. They suggested we do this, we we underestimate how well-liked we are because instead of seeing the smiling and the good conversation, for instance, we're fixated on what 
we need to say next, what we need to say, what we need to do in order to be liked. And so we just miss out on the positive signs, right? They also suggested that because people, you know, are kind of averse to asking for feedback after a conversation, which I agree that would be kind of weird. We can't be like, oh, one through 10, how did that conversation go? Because we don't do that, we're left to our own devices. We're left to evaluate our own performance. And when that's the case, you know, we just devolve totally. We we devolve, we give voice to our internal monologue, and that tends to be quite unfair and biased and negative, right? And so this is a really interesting study because for one, in most areas of life, I think people tend to overestimate themselves. They tend to overestimate their skills. You ask any person, <laughs> we overestimate how good we are at driving. Uh, and sometimes in relationships, be honest, we under we overestimate our likability and what we bring to the table. And there was a funny tweet that was going viral, I don't know, a year ago or so, where it was like 80% of men polled said that they were confident they can land an airplane, like a, a Boeing 747, if the pilot passed out and they needed to do it themselves, right? Like we tend to overestimate in a lot of areas of life. But when it comes to self-judgment in a social setting and likability, we pull to the opposite. We're overly critical, we overthink, and we dish out unfair self-judgment to ourselves. So that was a study. Interesting piece of research there. What do we do with this? Well, I think recognizing this as a thing, as a trend, I think it offers two things. I think for starters, it offers us a sense of affirmation, social affirmation that, hey, you're not alone in doing this. You're not some weirdo who fumbles every social interaction. You're not the only one who is unfairly critical of yourself. You're not the only one who overthinks. You're not the only one who leaves a social interaction and then plays back the tape and grades yourself with an F. We all do this. So start there. I think there's power in that and not unfairly ostracizing yourself because you think you're the only one who feels this way. But beyond that, I hope this gives you a, a second to pause and to realize where this might be coming from. Hey, real quick, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And you know, if you're like me, you're always wishing for more time in life, right? Like, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time to do blank. I wish, I wish, I wish. And as much as practically having a couple more hours in a day would be cool, a bit more time to do what we love instead of jobs and responsibilities, it begs the question, what would we do with that time? Not just wishful, I want more time, but for what? What would I do with that time? What really matters to me? What brings me joy? What enhances my life instead of just filling time and space with? Well, to answer that question, I think therapy can help. Therapy can help you find what matters so you can do more of it. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash New Mindset today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash New Mindset. Hey, real quick, this episode is sponsored by Quince. And I'm a pretty simple guy, a man of simple pleasures, but I do occasionally like to dress up and step out. And that's why I'm excited to work with Quince to help me elevate my style without breaking the bank. 
By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And that's why their items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they have all the must-haves like Mongolian cashmere crew neck sweaters from $50, 100% leather jackets, and versatile flow knit activewear. Quince was kind enough to hook me up with a sick gold Cuban bracelet and a really stylish performance flow knit t-shirt. Really my style, simple but with a pop of luxury, and as advertised, it was very affordable. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash new mindset for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash new mindset to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash new mindset. You know, unfair self-judgment doesn't just materialize out of nowhere. It likely comes from you and me and us trying to control things, trying to control outcomes. And in the instance of this so-called liking gap, I think we need to realize that other studies also have found that kids, children don't have a liking gap. They develop it as they get older And it's only once they start worrying about their reputation do they start developing this liking gap. They want to control their reputation. And reputation is, of course, a very important thing. I'm not advocating for us to just be wild and weird and throw that to the wind. But perhaps we can let go of a bit of this unfair self-judgment and lean into the fact that we're more likable than we give ourselves credit for by no longer trying to control the outcome of every interaction, a.k.a. Stop trying to get everyone to like you, and as a result, you'll get more people to like you, right? The reverse logic. Seriously, I think when we're trying to control outcomes, when our fixation is whether they'll like us or not, that's when we lean into this liking gap. Our fixation becomes our own behavior, our mannerisms, what we said, what we didn't say, and that fixation is where our self-judgment comes from. So it begs the question, what would happen if you approached interactions, relationships, first dates, second dates, and you didn't try to control everything. You didn't have a specific outcome in mind. You just existed as your fullest self and you let the liking gap do its thing. Because now with this research, more or less, I can take it with a grain of salt, but more or less, on average, we know that you're more likable than you give yourself credit for. And if that's the case, if we can suspend disbelief and say, okay, maybe that's true, do you need to control everything? Why do you need to try to control everything? It's certainly a question worth asking yourself. And with some exception, of course, networking, job interviews, and and so on, we don't need to control every element of every interaction. Stop trying to get them to like you so much. That is how you become your own worst critic, because you have a specific outcome in mind and you judge yourself like a performer trying to win that prize. And when that's the case, yeah, it's no wonder that you're unfair to yourself because it's win or lose. And that's when this negative self-judgment comes into place. Take a deep breath on first dates, second dates, meeting people for the first time. Why don't you just make it your goal to have an interaction, a conversation that feels good to you, to you. That is where it's unforced, where you just act normally, where you say what comes to your mind, you carry yourself like you do normally, where the objective is just leaving the conversation being like, yeah, that was good. I was myself. And I recognize that that's easier said than done, of course. Like, we want validation. We want acceptance. But let's arm ourselves with the knowledge from the liking gap and from the beautiful mess effect. And let's combine those into a sense of inner 
peace. Inner peace in the sense that if we know that researchers have proven that other people applaud vulnerability and realness and weirdness in others, if we know that on average we underestimate how well liked we actually are, then what more is there to do other than to be vulnerable and to be real? Within reason, of course, but what more is there to do other than to show up, be kind, be open, ask questions, show interest? But what more is there? What more is there than to do that and just let the trend, the two trends we're talking about here, play out? I don't know. Not much, I'd say. Personally, I can tell you so many instances in my life where I thought, unfairly so, I was too much or I was being weird or I was being too shy or where I wrote something or recorded something that that was really bad, that will flop, where those instances became the times where I was the best where I received the most praise or the best feedback. So many times in my sales career, for instance, where I would leave a meeting and I'd be like, oh man, I blew that. You know, I shouldn't have told that joke or I was being too lighthearted. And then we closed the deal or first dates where I left and I was like, man, I was boring. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't good. What was I thinking? And before I even got home, I would get the text from her and she'd be like, I had such a good time. Like we should go out again. Or meta example with this very podcast, I have so many examples over the years where I recorded something and I listened back to it before publishing it. And I was like, man, no one's going to like this. No one's going to relate to it. I was too sensitive. I was too overthinking, whatever. But I published it anyway. And then lo and behold, it became my most listened to episode. Time and time again, it's almost like it's become this critic versus reality scenario where if I'm overly critical, if I think it sucks, that probably means it was awesome <laughs> in a sense, obviously, you know, within reason. But you could take my experience or leave it. But I think some sometimes in life we need to live by intuition and energy and spirit and just trust ourselves. And sometimes we need to look at the facts, <laughs> some data. We need to look at the facts and the facts are we overwhelmingly think we're less likable than other people say we actually are, and we've proven that people admire vulnerability. So let's lean into these two facts instead of our overthinking. Let's lean into them, let go of the one thing that stands between us and acceptance, and that's control. Stop trying to control every element of a first date, of a first meeting. Stand up, be your best self. Sure, dress to impress, bring out your best joke, whatever. But give yourself some love instead of being overly critical. Just see what happens. Try that. Your next five interactions, call it. Let go of control. Make it your goal to say, I showed up as my real self and I enjoyed that conversation. That is it. No outcome, no pressure, no rushing. So that's it. Under right there. Just something to think about. If this was helpful, I would be grateful as always if you share the podcast with a friend. And if this topic speaks to you, be sure to check out That's Bold of You. It's all about this idea. It's all about leaning into being, embracing your realest, weirdest, most vibrant self. So thank you for checking that out. It's available on Amazon right now for 11% off. But that is it. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting me. And until next episode, I'm out.
Stock have too high a price? Buy a slice. Trade fractional shares of your favorite U.S. stocks and ETFs in any dollar amount you choose with zero commissions online. Get started at fidelity.com slash stocks by the slice. Fractional share quantities can be entered to three decimal places if the value of the order is at least one cent. Dollar-based trades can be entered to two decimal places. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from one cent to three cents per $1,000 of principal. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.